0: Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast with Sports Pro editor Owen Connolly, getting inside the sports
1: industry and recording it on audio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Sports Pro Podcast. Now, the Commonwealth Games are underway in the Gold Coast, bringing about 6,600 athletes and team officials. From 71 nations and territories to Australia for a week which will combine elite competition with, it's hoped, a more friendly and collaborative spirit than other major events. The Games come at the end of a year which saw Durban chalked off as the venue of the next edition in 2022 with the prospective first African host eventually replaced by Birmingham a few months ago. Uh, It also comes as both the Commonwealth Games Federation and the Commonwealth itself seek to find a new purpose and identity in an era of political and commercial challenges. Well, a couple of weeks or so back, I was lucky enough to be joined by CGF President Louise Martin to cover all of this, and I found out how the body aims to be more than just an organiser of quadrennial events. Uh, It's a wide-ranging conversation, and Louise also discusses the future shape of the CGF and of the Games, their efforts to make a social impact and the role of female leaders within sport What's the mood like around the CGF going into uh, Gold Coast
2: The mood excitement um, just this build up of what's to come waiting, waiting, waiting for opening ceremony day and we still have a lot of work to do between now and then because teams have got to arrive so our team have got to be out there to be ensure the last-minute checks are done, and, but the excitement's building.
1: I mean, you've obviously seen this from the other side. Four years ago, you were uh, <laughs> heading up Glasgow's, yeah. uh, Glasgow's Games. How has that altered your perspective, do you think, of, um, of what's to come in Gold Coast, of the work that they actually need to get through, um, and you know how all of that is going to unfold for them?
2: It's funny, sitting on the other side of the fence, even although I wasn't in the actual um, organising committee part of it, but leading that, that role, um, you can still see both sides. And one of the things that I keep telling everybody, one thing never changes, and that's the day and the time of the opening ceremony. No matter what happens, you go. So you have to make sure you're finished. And sometimes people say, oh, don't worry, don't worry. We've got lots of time to go. But when you actually start to build it down into days you suddenly realise we have not got that time so it's focusing everything on delivery and ensuring that the games are ready for the athletes to arrive because although for us we keep saying opening ceremony is the fourth but for the games delivery in Gold Coast it starts the day the village opens ten days before the competition starts mm. so they're going to get all these athletes arriving that village has to be ready the catering has to be ready everything has to be spot on for them so it's just coming like home from home so From our side now, we are not delivering, we are aiding them to deliver. So we're just guiding them and making sure these last checks and balances are done. We can do all of that for them. But they're now, the Gold Coast people and team are now working very hard on that.
1: What's your take on the relationship between yourselves and and the organisers there?
2: I will say it's changed over the years. So it's a learning curve in the very beginning. And when when they won the bid, then the organising committee was put in place. And they've had three chairs, Mark Stockwell, in the bidding, and then it went to Nigel Chamier, and now it's Peter Beatty. So they've had three chairs to work with. So it takes a long time to get that rapport going again within your own team. Mm-hmm. But now, over these last two, three, four years, I would say our working relationship was very, very good. Yes, you have your arguments, but that's all behind the scenes. You have to talk things through, and there's no holds barred because you all want one thing, deliver fantastic games. And all it needs is one person to go rogue or something like that and not listen and not do the job properly, that you could have a massive problem on your hands. Touchwood, I would say that um, we are very confident. I am confident that the games in Gold Coast will be very, very good. They will be different from what's ever been done before. And um, the commonwealth in the world will see a different place when Gold Coast is shown on the television.
1: Yeah, I mean you talk about it being different from what's gone before, Um, how would you say that the profile of the city differs from particularly hosts in Australia before?
2: Well, in in Australia before you've had Melbourne being hosting the games, you've had um, Sydney um, hosting the games and you go, why have we suddenly moved? We've gone to a regional city in uh, Queensland and that's always been known for surfers' paradises as a surfers' thing you know, you want to be able to go there and have all the things that the young people want to do and surf all the time. They wanted to get away from that side of things, they wanted to see, let everybody see that they are a modern city, That they're doing all the bits and pieces you know, that's okay, doing all the bits and pieces to bring Gold Coast into the modern world and uh, they saw using these games as a catalyst to help that help them do that because to build new facilities for the communities and also to re-educate people about what the Gold Coast can do for business and also pleasure but it's not just pleasure and fun it's Mm. the other side of things and the serious side of things they wanted them to see Mm. and it's happening
1: Um, obviously these kind of infrastructural investments are are always perhaps the most controversial part of any multi-event multi-sport event um, hosting process how How much dialogue is there between you about something like that about you know not is your approach to, to say to a city that you shouldn't be overextending yourself um, or are you just are you leaving them again to make the decision about what's best for them in the time frame
2: no um, we do guide we do um try and ensure that they don't overspend or they don't make things that are far too big. That like You're not going to big a, a huge hundred-teacher stadium, and if you're only going to get 50,000 in it after we are left, I would far rather see a stadium full of 50,000 people sell all the tickets and have people clamouring for more than then suddenly find when we've gone, they've got this white elephant on. That's Those days are gone now. And in the games before, when we've been working with them, when we were bidding before or when we were giving a games to a country, before, they bid for a games and they won them so we said, there you are, it's yours. You go and deliver those games, put in your organising committee and every six months we will come back and just see what you're doing and make sure you're on the right track or you're not doing this, do this and this. Those days are gone now because we couldn't, we weren't working in partnership, we were always seen as the, the overseer type mm. thing, and coming in to test them and all of this sort of thing. And in some cases, yes, they were spending too much money on different, uh, either building things they didn't need to build or putting in extras that they didn't need to build. Because, but we could see costs rising, and then the the uh, people that they employed would say that the best, and then contractors coming in and employ more. And what and I'm trying, what we're trying to do is stop. Re- we don't want to reinvent the wheel anymore. Mm. We have a product now, and um. That's in the past of what we're doing now moving forward f- for Birmingham. Basically because we saw what was happening, people were not wanting to bid for them because you couldn't afford them. Mm. It's becoming ridiculously expensive. But you can still hold these games at a reasonable cost that will not damage the country. Yeah. And, um, and it all, all it, it is using the expertise that's on the ground and making sure that you deliver for what is required within the city that is going to host these games mm. and the surrounding areas. And that you don't build something that is ginormous and gigantic, it fantastic for ten days of the games, and then you've got nothing left after. You know, you've got this thing left you can't use. So therefore it's making sure that you can utilise what you've got and that you've got a legacy for the city or the country after you've gone or after the games have left. So it's balancing all of that out. And how we've managed to do it this time is... It's taken us, taken us a wee while to get to where we are on this, but... We firmly believe that working in partnership with a city, we can deliver it better. So we don't just say, the games are here for you now, on you go and we'll come back checking you. Now we are working with them, but to be able to do that, we've gone into partnership with Laggard Sport. Mm-hmm. We're working with them, and so what we have formed now is our Commonwealth Games partnership arm. And this is the arm that's our delivery part of it, who where all the expertise in all the different fields, whether it be broadcasting, whether it be commercial, whether it be venue operation, whether it be transport, whether it be security, they have them there. So we know we have the best people who have been running games for a long time that we can use their expertise to go in and help. And we've already proved that at this moment with Birmingham since they got it. We don't make the decisions, they make the decisions with the guidance that they are given by the staff that we've put in mm. and that's where it's working. At the moment it is and I'm fully convinced that going forward um, you'll have happy teams working together and what we're trying to make sure you, we don't do as well, you don't have this You know, this knock on the heads, oh, I'm not listening to you, I'm not speaking to you. Mm. This is a partnership and we have to continue it, it's a partnership between the CGF, CGFP, the city, the area and also the country, government working with them, so this is the first time that it's happened, so yeah, watch this space. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean how important a lesson was was Durban in this respect?
2: Durban's a completely different thing. one of, the biggest, one of the hardest decisions we've ever had to make was take those games away from Durban. That was really, that hurt. That really did because the games in Durban could have been terrific. They're ready for it. They are ready for the, the feeling and the love of the games of what they want to do and what they've got and the city that they've got in, a, you know, a reasonable number of venues that they could actually then build a little bit more or, you know, um, renovate, do up. But the biggest problem was that we needed to make sure that the delivery would be delivering on our terms and making sure that we could deliver that, but when the when there were several issues that we couldn't reconcile, re- reconcile them and we could not lose sight of what our product is and we did not want to go down the road of deviating in any shape or form. And also, we had to make sure that the people who were delivering the games were actually going to do, deliver them properly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also, to, to do the organising committee, we, we have to keep ourselves separate from government. We are completely independent and we're not government run. So therefore, when Durban and uh, Durban government wanted to run the games, why them? So our comment was, well, who's going to run these? So it was almost like a duo. They were going to do two jobs at once, mm-hmm. and that to so us that's a no-no because we certainly could not um, have a political arm running the games. We are apolitical, and we must always stay that way. So it was difficult, and also they were going through a turmoil as well because the, the finances didn't stack up. Mm-hmm. So unless you can you can guarantee that those the financials are going to be there, that's that's not a risk that's worth we, we, we couldn't afford to take that risk mm. so that's why we pulled from there the games I am convinced will go back to Africa Africa's ready for this so it's now encouraging other countries in Africa and even South Africa itself to have another look at it in the future um, and I think when they see the way that this new way of working that we've got this new partnership where it's not going to cost an arm and a leg I think that will give them the confidence to start working with us and if we can guide some of them to use, just don't offer the games big games the first time because you they, they can host executive committee meetings, they can host um, regional meetings, and they can host general assemblies. We've also got the youth games, so there's a size for everybody throughout the Commonwealth, whether they're a tiny country or whether they're a large country. And what we're trying to do is ensure that the smaller countries are able to host something. Commonwealth, so they've got that backing, and they mm. say we hosted the Commonwealth because it
1: means so much to so many of them. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's not something that escaped notice or comment last year that you know by bringing in Birmingham as the 2022 host, you have another games that's in the UK. The UK and Australia have hosted, you know, a, a, a majority of uh, of Commonwealth Games, and for an, an organisation that obviously has. The history and the roots that it has, which which can't be changed, um, and everything about the the progress that, that people are trying to make to make it a more uh, pluralistic, I guess, organisation the, the Commonwealth more generally. Yeah. How important is it to to get to get the Commonwealth Games into a wider range of host nations? It's
2: very very important to do that, and that's one of our aims. But can I just say that yes, the games are going to Birmingham, mm. but within the short period of time that we had, the six months from the March, from taking it away from Durban, to then having one in a country hosting um, in the December, that's pretty good work. Mm-hmm. You know, we've condensed three, four, five years into nine months, but we have to remember as well that we had four countries and nine cities bidding, or showing expressions of interest, and the CGF partnership team worked with each and every one of them to make sure that they could put something in or, you know, see where they were coming from. And one or two, because of of the timeline, they were finding it very difficult to finalise a full manual to come in, Mm -hmm. you know, a full bid, bid phase. And three countries were really working very hard at the very end. And then Birmingham were the only ones that actually put one in. It still wasn't compliant at the time of going in, so therefore we had to work with them longer to do it. And so we extended that to the other countries as well to be able to allow them to do that. And on the back of that, we've got three or four who are still interested in the future. They want to come in. So, and the work we've done with them or what the team have done with them so far will help them move forward. And um, there's one or two other smaller countries, Asking what, what's going to be like twenty six and thirty because we'll be calling for those in twenty nineteen mm. and um, yes everybody's uh, you know put it this way we have a games in Bir- we have a games in in twenty twenty two they are in Birmingham and can I just say that going to Birmingham and having been in Birmingham uh, when I was looking at what was being offered for the UK between Liverpool and Birmingham and at the World Championships there. I couldn't believe what I was seeing there, that it was almost like a microcosm of the Commonwealth itself. It, the, the, the myriad and the, the diverse nations that you had there, mm-hmm. it was it, absolutely terrific, and you just felt, oh, the games. these games will be terrific there. It's the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. By happenstance or what, or by misfortune of another um, city falling out, um, I think this, this will help rejuvenate, regenerate Birmingham and the West Midlands with the work that they're all doing up in that, to, and in that area with the way they're working together
1: Given, um, given what happened with Durban, given the, uh, the development of the partnership with, with Lagardère <laughs> and the things that you've said and, and David Grebenberg has said in the past few months or so, how will that 2026 race take shape? Will it be a full open bid um, in the way that we've seen before or will there be broader consultation, will there be more of a selection than an election, how is, how is it going to work?
2: There will probably still be an election in the end, but what we will do is we will work closely with every, every country, city that expresses an interest and, and the expression of interest is viable. We will then work with them to make sure that what can they deliver for their city and their country to put in a, in a big process and it will be evaluated across the board, but this time, the evaluation process will be factual. And it won't be, uh, it it will give a decision on each country as it stands, each city as it stands, rather than leaving it open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot afford to have a project of this type going on the whims of, I like this person, I like that person, I like that, fancy that, that that sort of thing, this has to be factual, it has to be what can be delivered for the games, for the community, for the city, all of that taken into consideration, and um, it may well come down to the fact that there is only one city that can do it at that time, but two other ones could be ready for the next games, and it may well be that, is the time right now, I don't know whether to say, right, we'll do two games, we'll say we'll deliver, we'll, we'll nominate 26, we'll nominate 30 that's up for decision, but with um, General Assembly and, and just in discussion with with the people that we're working with. Um, it's possible, at uh, well, this moment I don't know, but I am fully convinced that the way that we're working for 2022 that shows people what can be done without breaking the bank and giving them something at the back. You know, when we've gone and they've got this and everybody's saying the venues are being used... And, their communities are going into using them and they're all getting fitter and healthier or happier, whichever way. But they've all wanted one thing, to have a great games in their home city mm. and that will be delivered.
1: This is your first Commonwealth Games as President of the CGM. Uh, you're right. <laughs> um how do you feel that the organisation has changed in in the relatively short time that you've been here it's about 3 years now
2: yeah two, two yes, it has yes 3 years in september since i was um elected ah. it's funny sitting in this position because Having been the honorary secretary uh, for four games, you know, hands on and doing everything and it's very difficult for me to have to do, sit in my hands and try, you know, which I don't do well and I'm not doing it, that I, you know, there's still things that I do and I like doing and it's easy for me having done it for that length of time protocol and the medal ceremonies and things like that, so but building up a team to work. <sighs> And I think in, in many ways, there are things we're doing with, because we've also got a, we've, with a new CEO um, when Mike Cooper left, so Dave has been in slightly longer than me. He was in 14, so we've been eating a bit more than me. The two of us working together to move the Federation forward, we hadn't changed anything since 2000. So it's, it's using what we have and what we've got, what can we do better? to make sure that we can be viable in this world. And one of the big things that we have done, and I think has been really, really good, and again, we'll see what happens when we get to Gold course, is on gender equity. Uh, that's oh I mean, when I was elected first and come onto board in 99 as the, 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 the secretary's position, I was the only female that was on that board. You know, and you go, oh heck what's this and of course it took the men and a long time to get used to this you know gentlemen please you are ready to start gentlemen excuse me what about me what about me you know <laughs> and they go oh yeah and louise 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 you know so so six to eight months before they realized i was going to to do a role so it's not the person it's the skill set that you've got that you're able to do that but again then i was the only female on so gradually we needed to try and bring more women on board and um so copped it to the board, and gradually over time we've now got, on all committees we have a rule that you have to have 20% on each of the committees, that's not a lot I know, but in sporting terms, for us that's, that's a lot, you know, and it, so that is a, that's a bonus. And also with the regional, with our Vice President's roles, um, there's three positions and two gender, the both genders must be in place, so there's a role. A man and a woman, and then it's up. up the other one's up for grabs, mm. which we have to do. So gradually we're getting there. But again, in the other example, even on the gender part of it, we've got equal medals for men and women in these games, mm. and that and that's a that's a first, and that's a first across any multi-sport event. And that to me is a big bonus. I think that coming out is is great and. We've increased the number of events and medals for the para-sport part of our uh, of the Games and again the, the para-athletes are fully integrated into the Games and the medal ceremonies. This will be the first time we have got a women's internship programme running. We have 20 athletes from all over the Commonwealth have been selected from all the different countries to come to the Gold Coast with their team and um, be mentored by Coaches on their own team, with a group of um, experts who will work with them to just guide them and push them on the way and the ladder for coaching. And so this is one that everybody's really excited about. I just fingers crossed because eventually these young coaches, once they go up, will then mentor other coaches. So I am fully convinced that the next games we can try and expand that for more. So gradually the, on the gender side it's great. The technical officials, yes, and especially in, we're 50% on men and women in basketball, hockey and swimming. That is tremendous. And we've also got more men in netball officiating mm-hmm. than we've ever had before. So it's just Getting, making sure they've got the, the, the talent, they've got, they've been trained, they've been coached, and they have got the skill sets to do what we're looking for. Mm. And um, I just think that the way things are moving, it's, it's good. And then the other part of it, the f- other first part, which is happening in Australia, and it's, and it's now into contracts for all our other games is working with the indigenous people, a reconciliation action plan within them and this is happening with the Yugambeh in um, Gold Coast. Now this, this will make this will be a groundbreaking part for um, the Gold Coast when the opening ceremony happens. Everybody's been working, know that they've been working with the, the Yugambeh people um, and they have got problems with them. There's still some that say it's not working with the Aborigines. Oh, yeah, this is you just paying lip service. But when you actually see what's happening and what they've done, and what will happen in the ceremonies, uh, it's here's the back of your neck type, you know. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of other things happening. At the moment I've gone blank and any more, but to me, we are moving forward. And it, we're not just, we're not just a games per se anymore. Mm. We are working with sport throughout the Commonwealth and we need to make sure that sport in the Commonwealth is delivered properly. And to me, I just think that we in the Federation are now, I think we're leading the way in a lot of things. And um, as we go forward, especially where the Commonwealth is at the moment, there is a future for us. And um, we've got to harness that because we've got a past history, everybody's got the same history we've got that history we're all sharing but the other thing that I think we have in here is a lot of sport, I mean, you, you actually probably in a, in a roundabout way that this is what it was, a lot of sport, a lot of people look at the value of something, we don't, we look at the values, what have we got, that, what are our values that we can share with you? Mm. And that's where I want to keep going, rather than looking at the pound shillings and pence sort yeah. of stuff. I just feel that we have got something for everybody in the Commonwealth.
1: Yeah. How has the federation had to change in a practical way, to deliver on some of that stuff? Oh. To not just think about the four years, mm. um, you know, and, and putting on this event and awarding this event, but actually serving a purpose between that time.
2: This is where our transformation twenty twenty two comes in. as a new strategy plan, and it's. And it is looking at the way forward on the sustainability, we're looking at um, the effectiveness, we're looking at use, using our, our vision and mission, our humanity, equality, and destiny, using all of that to put this together that everybody can use. And um, to do that, we've had to convince, and it's not been easy, to convince our CGAs to back it, because we're asking them to change as well. We're asking them to change the governance of, the, of them, themselves, as well as us within the, within the Federation to make sure that our governance is absolutely squeaky clean, that we, we, we know we can do it. But then everybody who's working with us, they have to have the same mindset and they want to move forward. Gone are the days, as you see, of just being a Games every four years. We also now have the Youth Games which we started in 2000 in Edinburgh. And we've been moving that, playing around with that, and we're now bringing them the year before the games to allow these up-and-coming athletes to be at these games, get the euphoria, and, oh, look at so-and-so, look at so-and-so. So So when they do make the main team, that's gone and they're there to do a job. And it's educating and making sure that people have the values that we have. It's not been easy. And I mean, in Edmonton, we were trying to get constitutional changes through. That The old school, the old brigade, did not want change at all. What's wrong with what we have? It's not fit for purpose. Mm. So because we're now into the 21st century, we have to be fit for the journey ahead. And how long will that last us? I don't know. We, we may have to start again in five years' time. Or, or probably the better way is keep moving it forward instead of static, static, static. It's taken time i wouldn't say we've got a hundred percent commitment from everybody within those associations but that's that's the way life is but the majority are working with us and put it this way general assembly on the 31st i'm quite sure they'll tell us <laughs> what they think yeah, you yeah. know
1: what about the ways in which you're reaching people um during the games and uh, and in between the games you know it's a, we're obviously in a digital age, we've seen the IOC who obviously are operating on a, a much different plane mm. financially from the CGF but they've launched the Olympic Channel in uh, in the last couple of years You know, do you look at that relationship that you have the media relationship that you have with people in the Commonwealth and, and with the people who are going to be watching
2: I can tell you a
0: little bit about our approach given those resource limitations that you mentioned it is very much going to be um, the sort of cascade effects where we've got some great membership, we've got, we've got people on the ground who know their communities and their <coughs> athletes really well. So it's really having this kind of, I hate to use marketing jargon, but um, a sort of framework for what we're trying to achieve on behalf of the movement, and say at the national level, you can deliver this. So um, whether it be sort of content using athletes for development projects, um, whether it be um, events, whether it be conferences, just really kind of giving them a framework mm-hmm. and say so this, is, this is who we are you guys are on the ground to deliver it and <clears throat> and that's a sort of more achievable way because we're from a comms point of view we're a one-man mm. team can i just <laughs> say
2: i mean the reason the reason we are where we are now in this last three months is because of ben coming on board and the things that you are talking about we're trying to hold him back you know wait a minute <laughs> then, can we just get <laughs> <got> you know <laughs> i ch- know <clears throat> a bit, but. but there is progress and i mean the the comms um, newsletter document that goes out every day and yeah i mean
0: it's From a very practical point of view, what we're trying to do is there's, what I noticed in my three months is there's so many stories, what what this is quite good at, and I think it's quite unique because there's a lot of fascinating stories out there because of the construct of the Commonwealth, because you've got your, um, you know, your small island of States, 10,000 people, and your Indias, there's these, it's, it's incredible, incredible melting pot, and I think it's the kind of human aspect that we want to get across. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's elite sport during the Games, but we'll never compete with the Olympics, I think what we're trying to show is we're a bit of a different product and different um, different focus and it's more about it, it's getting across those characters and the, just the kind of the differences <coughs> between everyone that all part of this shared you know community I guess mm. that's what we're trying to do I think the last thing from my side is everything Louise has talked about that we do in the intervening years so that the human rights work the gender equality the reconciliation all that kind of stuff that's what we're trying to Keep going. Trying to tell a story, basically, yeah. and we I think we do that quite well, but we probably haven't been able to tell a story because you haven't had anyone in common and marketing. Money. So there's oh. so much, yeah.
2: Horses for courses. But but when Ben was just talking about, you know, our small islands, you know, I was just talking about earlier on to Ben about how our small islands can actually outweigh some of our big countries, mm. you know, because Nauru, for example, this is the one I was talking about earlier because um, Marcus Stephen, who is the president of the Nauru Commonwealth Games NOC because they are dual um, he also at one time was the president of that but they're a weightlifting nation and they have won 29 medals in the seven games that they've been in you know and it's phenomenal when you actually break it down and you know and it's um 10 gold 10 silver nine bronze something something, something, like, something like, that. like that you know and um ten thousand people. Ten thousand people. And then you then you, you compare that with <laughs> India with one point three billion, you know what I mean. So it's there's something for everybody in the Commonwealth Games. And the other thing I you know, I mean the other things that we are doing as well, what were you asked about that. we host the Commonwealth Breakfast mm. um, at Chogham or the Commonwealth Summit every four years. And this started in two thousand to, I think, uh, when Don McKinnon was the Commonwealth Secretary General and he wanted to showcase the Commonwealth sport and what we could do, so there he hosted, asked us to host a breakfast with him, which we've done, and we're hosting a breakfast um, right after our Games finish. Whoever heard of, you know, we've got the biggest thing we've got, finishing on the 15th of April and (laughs) shopping starts on the 16th in London so (laughs) trying to get yourself backwards and forwards during that time but we'll be there we'll be there
0: there's a lot of momentum isn't there with all these events kind of a series of things happening with the Commonwealth and it's
2: trying to yes but especially within within the Commonwealth and that's where we want to keep it and to me in this day and age that we are more relevant than we've ever been before especially um we all speak the same language and um, and then I think also with wherever we are with Brexit, um, the trade work, the business fields that we're working in because um, even the trade and industry uh, with group that's going out to Gold Coast and they're starting a week before us, that's what they said, not what Marlon said to me yesterday, he would rather, can we not run it together? <laughs> no, we can't, it's good to have this progression going into one and then Birmingham in 2022 they've specifically asked if they can have their big expo just before our games and normally if it's a big major event we say not within the month of that then but it will happen there so that we can run them in and gradually keep these businesses in, let them see the games as well Mm. and they can see what they've been able to be part of or could be part of in the future
1: Mm. I mean with with that all being said obviously the the history of the Commonwealth is has its darker it has. moments. It has its imbalances. Um, obviously, given its, its genesis as you know, as the Empire, um, how does that affect the conversations that you have? How do you try and frame the Commonwealth as a you know a positive organisation and for everybody, every member of it?
2: I think in many ways, I think we have to thank Her Majesty for that. Because she has moved this forward, she has she this is this has been her baby, her project from whenever, since fifty two, but she's moved this forward, and she is, is fully committed to the Commonwealth, and I must say that when she comes to the games, she's great with the athletes. She's really good. She's really knowledgeable. She's interested, and um, and also what she has now set up as well is a Commonwealth, her, um, Commonwealth Sports Foundation, which will help all of the Commonwealth you know, to, to utilize some of it in some shape or form for whatever work that they wish to do. We are one family, and we're friendly, so we, we, we do see ourselves as a family. And when we're together at games time or whether we come together for meetings, we see ourselves as one. Mm. And um, to me, this is beneficial, and I think it only encourages other people. To, to do that, we've got the Gambia back in again. I mean, they were uh, Commonwealth Secretary granted that on the twenty eighth. The, the The games we will have six athletes from the Gambia competing, and the flag will be there. This is terrific because I mean they were taken out in thirteen because the Prime Minister or the um, it was the Prime Minister, wasn't other President um, fell out the Commonwealth team act, on that. So that destroyed those athletes who were going to be coming to Glasgow. Mm. They wanted to be there. We've also got Zimbabwe wanting to come back in again. We've got other countries who are talking about, mm. do you think we can come in? So it's, it's changing the ethos and changing the mindset of what the Commonwealth is and that we are in the right place to mean as far as we're concerned, for moving forward into a modern commonwealth yes we have history we must recognize that and keep that but as we move forward it's where do we go in the future
0: enjoying this sports pro podcast well we're also the sports industry leader in print digital and events head to sportspromedia.com for the latest features news and interviews from the business of sport help yourself to a subscription to our acclaimed magazine and find out about our unmissable conferences before anyone else Get inside the industry with SportsPro.
1: We talked a bit, or you you talked a bit um, earlier, about the role that CGF has played in in bringing more women into sport. Obviously, you're in an unusual position as being a female (laughs) head of an international federation. (laughs) Absolutely,
2: I'm the only one. Yes, I know. It's completely different, and I'm not saying people don't respect me or anything. I don't mean that at all. But the mindset is, if you're a president, you're a man. And so it's trying to prove I have got to show them that you can be presidential and still be a female. Mm. You know, um, so that's part of my journey as well to try and ensure that it happens and encourage other people to come on board and believe in themselves, go for it. And if a challenge comes up or something comes up, you know, my mantra is never uh, why, why not, and why not me. You know, ask the questions or say. Never leave something or never, ever say, oh, I wish I had, or if only I had done that, I would be, then i have missed the boat totally, mm. you know. So, But it, it is difficult, and um, what I'm trying to get through to people is that when you're actually saying or doing things, you use the title, it's the president that's doing this, or it's the vice president that's doing this, or wh- whatever role it is, and then you can put the name after it. But mm. don't say, you know, oh, it's, it's Louise. Because it's the status of the position. Because what we must not do and never do is allow the positions to be pulled down just because you're mm. a female. Mm. That is not what this is about. And In many ways, I see people have roles for the skill sets that they have and the work that they can do and deliver. And I just hope that... The time my tenure finishes, that I will have proved that women can be very successful in presidential roles. But when you think of what we've got here, we've got Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland, first female, we've got um, Angela Merkel, Chancellor of Germany, we've our second female Prime Minister mm. is Theresa May. So when you actually look at and see who is doing what, and then you have a look at their iconic female athletes, there's loads of them, mm. and they are now showing and setting the way for all the other young women to come behind them Mm. but it's also not to say to the young men hey aspire Mm. but don't say you're going to get there just because you're a man Mm. prove that you can do it
1: Mm. I mean the the tenor of the conversations around not just women in leadership roles but you know the culture of of various organizations where you've had men or majorities of men in leadership positions Mm -hmm. has changed a lot in the last year. We've had revelations, some of them incredibly unsavory nature across sport, across entertainment, across politics. Do women need to be more forthright? Do people need to be more forthright on behalf of women coming into these roles now? Is it no longer a case of we can be patient, we can wait for, uh, you know, uh, wait until we reach certain quotas, wait until certain people arrive? Do we have to start...
2: Oh, and this is a question that I was asked when I was being at the Royal WOW Conference the other day about quotas and things like that. Personally, I don't believe in quotas. I believe it's the best person of the job and whoever fits it, you get it. But if there is a situation where it's blocked, blocked, blocked continually, then you may have to look at um, quotas or percentages, just as we have done within our committees.
1: Intervention, an basically.
2: intervention to help speed it up, you know, but um, hopefully ideally um, and we will never ever be 50 50 on my board on the board because we've got 15 on the board <laughs> so, so so you can't you know but um you know from having gone from one to six women on the board now out 15 you know that's pretty good going in four games time. Mm. that's um, still not right but again it's encouraging the people on the floor to stand and um and we've also gone from say in two thousand where you had what 200, 200 250 delegates, and probably two hundred and were men and fifty delegates were women. And maybe not even as many as that. So the balance is changing and we are getting more people coming on board and and also they're now willing to speak. Mm. You know, I mean, I remember it, it was pretty hard to go into uh a committee and a committee room and a board and uh, all men and I have to speak and be spoken and listened to, you know. So, that I worked all through that, through the various roles that I played, either in UK Sport Board, Chairman of Sport Scotland, Chairman of Commonwealth Games Scotland, all of that sort of thing, gave me the confidence to be able to do it, as well as lecturing. So, but it's still not easy. You know, so I would like to think, what a meal would feel like going into a room of solid, you know, another fourteen women. You know, we're all joking apart. It's um as long as long as people recognise that whatever gender you are, and as long as you can deliver, there's a place for you. Mm. And and let's be open about this. You know, it's, it's not a closed shop anymore, and I don't we don't want it to be a closed shop. Yeah,
1: how much is it all, all of a piece? You know the not just getting women into leadership roles, but more girls and young women into organized sport, better commercialization for women's sport and better visibility for, uh, for elite women's sport, uh, you know, in order to, to create that pool of people who are then also going to be influential in, well,
2: uh, I think, in political... I, I think the journey has started and I think we've now got women in various different strata as, as we move forward on the trajectory that people follow and want to follow. And um, the young female coaches that we've got, I even mean, these twenty that are coming on board, but we've uh, we've got quite a few in other countries who are female coaches and are willing to do that, and I can coach both boys and girls and things like this. And but it is important that everybody has a role model. And um, and if you uh, uh, even even as they get older, once they get into the teens and start to do coaching or uh, officiating, whatever it is. To have a mentor, somebody that you can chat to, somebody mm. that you can actually bounce things off and and somebody who can give you a hug when you need a hug and all this sort of thing, you know? But they can also see in you what you might not be able to see in yourself, how far they can push you. And sometimes actually the mentors get just as much out of mentoring as the mentee does. Mm.
1: What made you get into sports administration in the first place? <laughs> and back now
2: uh, Yes, well, um one of these old age things, you know, when um having a family and stopping swimming etc etc and then uh you think that's you know and then my daughter went to gymnastics uh the age of six i came home one day and said mom you know they say if we can't get anybody to be the secretary they're going to stop finish okay i'll do it you know so that's how you get in so gradually from being um the secretary of our local gym club in Inverness becoming the, the Secretary of the North District over a year and a bit type thing. And then when moving down to Central Belt, somebody knows I've been working up there. They've lost the one in the, the National Association, so who I consider being the Honour Secretary of Scottish Gymnastics? So, and then it just snowballed from that, so it all started off by somebody saying there was nobody in that gym club willing to do anything and then gradually um, from being secretary to president when you're when you're in a position in the national federation you always have a seat on the commonwealth games association so commonwealth games scotland and so from that 94 i was the um, team manager for scottish gymnastics and i wasn't a gymnast never had been but i had been taught over that period of time to become a judge because why sit there and do nothing when you're watching them just train up and be a judge so you so it's just all part of life's history, how it <laughs> happens. And then from that, um, met a number of people in general assembly, this sort of thing, talking to people. And then when the incumbent, the, incumbent, the previous secretary of the Commonwealth Games Federation died the wars, that role became vacant. And I was asked if by a number of females in different countries, would I stand? And that was that was really one of those times that you think, oh, Okay, why not? So I took the bull by the horns and said, Look, judge me not by what you see, but what I can do. Because what you see had nothing to do with me. That was all decided years ago. Mm-hmm. So that got laughed. And I, then I was even calm down, and then, and yes, I was then elected.
1: Yeah. So. And has the way that you think about sport changed in those years since you were competing and, and in those years since you were sending your daughter along to, to do gymnastics?
2: Um, well, I think uh, it's, it's become more professional. Um, which I'm not totally convinced is the right way for the athletes and things like that because you still have to be able to enjoy it uh, and by being professional there's a lot of money involved in all of this and making sure that if you've got the right sponsors and all the individual sponsors and what you have to do for it and what they're put through to do for it. Sometimes I wonder if that's the right way to go but we do not have the funds within any country to be able to, it would be brilliant if we could just have all the money to say right, this is it, this is your team, this is what you're going to do, everything like that, it doesn't work like that. But what I firmly believe, if people are working with young people in sport and doing sport and you know, you're doing it for the right reasons, you have to believe that, yes we've heard all of these other things that have been happening and you go, please tell me that wasn't happening when A, B and C, but you don't know. Mm. Um, To me, sport is a way of keeping fit, allowing them to express themselves and just seeing how hard you can push yourself. And the harder you push yourself, the better you become. And you'll soon plateau, you'll soon know where you are. And if that takes you to being the best in the world, terrific, if that takes you to doing a personal best up until such a time, that's even better. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just just getting this balance right. Um, I like sport, I watch all sport. Um, and I enjoy what I'm doing, uh, it's great.
1: Yeah. Is there anything that you, you'd still like to achieve? What would you like to achieve in, in the role that you're in now and, and through the next couple of games?
2: I, 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 get me through this one first. Get <laughs> me through this one, and uh, uh, you know, the first, first games that I will have been leading, so to speak, and then let's see where we go from there. Yes, um I'll take each day as it comes. Thanks very much, Louise. Okay, thank you.